Sunday School at the Father's Church in Dallas. And my name is Nancy Dushan, and I'll be your teacher this morning. <clears throat> and uh, when I was praying about what the Lord would have me share this morning, <clears throat> he, he said to me two words. He said, no compromise. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I began to um, pray about it and um, seek the Lord on what he wanted to share exactly. And uh, the first thing I did was to go to the word to see uh, what the word had to say about compromise. And uh, I found that the word compromise is not in the Bible, but, um, but there are scriptures that do address it. And so when we think about compromise, we think of settling some sort of dispute by mutual concession or by conceding or yielding to something or someone. Where there is compromise, there is the forfeiting or surrendering of something in order to come to some sort of agreement. And we are kind of in a compromise this morning, being that we're not in our in the youth room. We're in the sanctuary this morning, and uh, and it's because that there's uh, continued elections going on in the city of Dallas this week. So our youth room had to be set up with equipment uh, for the for the voting, and um, so we're in the sanctuary. And I just hope that uh, the voting machines are not any of the Dominion machines. Uh, sometimes compromise means accepting a lower standard. And if we take a look at US, U.S. history, we find the great compromise that was forged in a heated debate or dispute during the Constitutional Convention in 1787 in the great state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's for pastor. <laughs> uh, and... Um, and it was during which the Constitution of the, of the United States was drawn up. The convention was intended to revise the League of States and first system of government under the Articles of Confederation, but the intention of many of its proponents was to create a new government rather than fix the existing one. And I don't know if you all have heard anything or read anything, but I've read a lot uh, recently about folks who want to do away with our current government. So, you know, people are still looking to compromise. Um, but the dispute that led to the Great Compromise had to do with states with larger populations wanting congressional representation based on population, while the smaller states demanded equal representation. So to keep the convention from dissolving into chaos, the Founding Fathers came up with the Great Compromise. I promise you this is not a history lesson. Then later in U.S. history, there were certain years of compromise, mostly political and generally for something good. There was the Compromise of 1790, the Compromise of 1820, the Compromise of 1850, the Compromise of 1877. So we see throughout U.S. history and even today that there has been and still is much compromising taking place, but not just in our country. Compromise is taking place throughout the world. There was e even much compromising in the Bible, and I think of Samson and Delilah. He was to be the deliverer of Israel from the Palestines, or the Philistines. But his weakness for women got him into trouble, and his strength was compromised when he told Delilah the secret to his strength. He was later avenged, in, later avenged but he lost his life. Excuse me, my hands are cold and the pages won't turn. Then there's David and Bathsheba. There's Judah's compromise with Assyria during the time of King Ahaz. There's Ananias and Sapphira, and many more instances of compromise in the word. The Bible is very clear that God does not condone compromising his word, his principles, his standards. And beginning in Psalm 119, verses 1 through 4, 
it reads, Blessed are the undefiled, those who are complete or whole or perfect in the way or the journey, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Quoting from line upon line, iniquity in the Old Testament is the word awan. I believe that's how you say it. It's the Hebrew word used to describe what has become perverted or twisted within a person. It speaks of a facade, a false depiction, or a masking of something. The atmosphere is either the purpose of the Lord or the facade of iniquity. And in the New Testament, it's a Greek word, adikia, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it, meaning a false showing, and another Greek word, anomia, meaning to be, to be set against the true law of God within our heart, our mind, and our perceptions. In essence, iniquity will mask the truth or make it appear to be something else. Now, there's a whole lot of masking going on in these days, literally, but beyond that, there's a lot of masking going on in the spirit realm and uh, of what the enemy is attempting to do. Continuing from line upon line, while righteousness is to see something God is showing us and believing it, iniquity will keep us from seeing the truth for what it is. Therefore, an individual will not immediately demonstrate a willingness to submit to the ways of God. It is the propensity within humans to act in a manner contrary to divine call and anointing. When iniquity presents itself in our lives and we act on it, then it becomes a perversion or a twisting, and we compromise God's true calling and intent for who he has created us to be. Continuing in verse 4 of Psalm 119. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. When we're diligent about something, we do it. We, we do everything in our strength to accomplish that thing. And the Lord commands us to keep his precepts diligently. Now, I always read first from the, the good old King James, but I do like the way that the New Living Translation reads for this particular set of verses. And <clears throat> rereading verses 1 through 4 again, uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Joyful are the people of integrity pastor spoke a few Wednesdays ago on integrity, and he defined it as this, not being a badge worn by the upright, but the quality of character and practice which is evident in you no matter where or when you are observed. He said integrity is consistency of righteous thoughts, acts, and faith. It is a quality of patience and perseverance in God. Until the very last second, the very last drop, the very last moment of whatever it is you are doing, you remain constant and you remain that same person. And, you know, we try to be this in our, our daily lives and in our workplaces. You know, whether the boss is watching or not, you try to do everything that you would do if he were there watching or if she were there watching. So patience and perseverance in God. As saints, we have lived this for the past couple of decades or a little longer. And now in the midst of an increasingly dark and evil world, now is not the time to draw back. Rather, God has commanded us to keep his precepts diligently with all our strength. We are to continue to pursue 
And remember, he tells us in Genesis 1 that we are to subdue the earth. And I don't think I put this on the handout, but verse 28 of Genesis 1 reads, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. This verse speaks about having dominion. And, you know, I think it's interesting that the fraudulent voting machines, if you believe they were and are, um, it's interesting that they're called dominion. And I just see it as uh, the enemy's blatant attempt to control the world. And... Um, because he's relentless in, in his attempts to pursue the righteous. And he'll even use uh, well-meaning folks to offer you advice, sometimes advice that you don't ask for, um, using the enemy will use them to try to put on you something the Lord is calling them to. And I had this happen this week at work, and... Um, a very well-intentioned lady who I know is a Christian. There's no doubt she's a Christian. Uh, she felt the need to tell me um, what the Lord wanted to do through the food truck in way of ministry. <laughs> and what brought this on was uh, my firm had asked Rick to, they had asked me to ask Rick to bring the food truck Friday a week ago to our office. They wanted to have a happy hour. And it was kind of a, a back to the, uh, getting back into the office, um, get together um, post-pandemic. And uh, this person uh, was full of ideas about um, how the Lord wanted to use the food truck as a ministry. And she went on about the Lord uh, maybe wanting us to, to move to this little town where an opportunity has presented itself for a restaurant. And I know she meant well, she really did, um, but while, I was, while she was talking, my spirit began rising up, and, and it was rising up in defense of who I am as a saint and a son, and I finally stopped her, and I just politely made it clear uh, to her that I know who I am in Christ. And I know what he's called me to do and to be and where he has called me to serve. And so she backed off and uh, she later called me uh, that evening and, and apologized. And she said um, she realized that what the Lord was speaking to her was for herself. And, um, but she was trying to make it about Rick and me. And so... <clears throat> We cannot compromise who we are as saints and sons. We can be a witness, and I believe that we are, and I know that we have been to the folks that were around when working the food truck, but my first passion as a saint and a son is intercession and commune with the Father. And yes, her ideas were good uh, in themselves, but... The enemy can be subtle in trying to pull us away from the path that God has chosen for us and trying to cause us to accept another agenda because that's the way he works. We have to take a stand in who we are and who we know we are in him and who he's called us to be. And I feel like I say this every time it's my turn to teach. Um, but it's the truth anyway. And more now than ever before, we need to know who we are and be who we have been called to be. And to be anything less than what he has purposed for us would be surrounding or surrendering our calling as saints and as sons. And I'm not willing to compromise. That may be stubborn, but it is what it is. Um, I'm not willing to compromise my calling as a saint and settle for something less. Um, actually, I don't believe it's stubbornness. That's not, that's not of God. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think it was just when that my spirit was rising in me that day when she was talking to me. I, I, it was just. I look at look at it as a righteous indig- indignation, because I know who I am, and I didn't need her trying to tell me who I am and who the Lord wanted me to be. And uh, but anyway. Psalm 119 goes on to say in verses 6 through 8, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteousness or thy righteous judgments I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me, not utterly. We have to take a stand for the truth and not deviate from God's word. And you know, I talked about the great compromise of the United States when I started. But to me... What something we're seeing today is an even greater compromise, and it's the deviation from the true word of God, the truth of the word. John eight forty seven reads, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them, because ye, hear them not, because ye are not of God. If we are of God, and we are, We hear his words, and we obey them. We do not compromise or deviate from his standards. We walk only in his path. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, this next passage is somewhat extended. Um, and it's Deuteronomy 4, verses 1 through 6. I guess six verses aren't too extended. But, um, and if anybody has any comments, please let me know, and I'll bring the microphone to you. Uh, but reading in Deuteronomy, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God or the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor, for all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed from them from among you. But ye did that, but ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do, do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the spirit of the nations, or in the sight of the nations. I'm sorry. I'm trying to read a little bit slower, and when I do that, I, I, I kind of lose myself because I'm going on, and I'm trying to keep looking back. So um, <clears throat> let me read that again. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. It's not those who compromise and go along to get along that possess the land. It is those who keep his statutes and his judgments that possess the land. This is what we as saints are doing through our intercession. Looking further down in Psalm 119, starting with verse 123. My eyes fell for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. 
Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. I believe the reason for this topic, um, or the reason that this topic was so impressed upon me, is because it seems that the enemy is using situations, some that are good in themselves and some that are not, to wear out the saints and to keep us from our God-intended purpose. And case in point, this past week at work, we had a huge document review project that had a deadline on Thursday. And so the attorney in charge asked for all hands on deck. And so Tuesday evening, I was there until almost 11 o'clock. And I was driving home late, really exhausted from the day. And uh, but I was thinking about my responsibility for Sunday school today. And I had intended to use last week to really study, and I wasn't really too happy when um, work interfered. <laughs> and um, even though work in itself is a good thing, I feel like I give them the better part of my days, and it, it frustrated me and upset me that I had to be there into the ev late evening. And um, because I had more important things to do. And, um, and then as, while I was thinking about that, um, it led me to think about how consumed I've been feeling trying to help Rick with the food truck, and, um, which is also a good thing. And, but at times I feel like I'm giving God the leftovers of my energy. Milkshake, Fran. <laughs> Um, and that is not how I want my relationship with God to be. It's just not. And so by the time I got home, I brushed my teeth and just fell into bed because I was so tired. And I had a, immediately had a dream. And... Um, in the dream, I just wanted to be with the Lord. And um, milkshake, <laughs> not working. Um, so in the dream, I got up in the middle of the night. And it, it seemed to be between 2 and 3 a.m. And I drove to this church. And um, I came into the sanctuary. And I laid down under the last pew back by the Kronos and Kairos gates. And the reason I laid back there behind that pew was because there was activity going on in the sanctuary. Um, there were some here who were about the Father's business, and I didn't want to interrupt. So I just, I just wanted to spend time with the Lord, and so um, I just laid back there to be with him. And then the dream ended. And I knew that the Lord was speaking to me about compromise. You know, sometimes we can't control um, circumstances. But at the same time, you know, I, I get really frustrated at the enemy 
because some circumstances can be controlled and um, and I know that I myself have to be more diligent about not allowing things to bring compromise to who I am and and what I'm supposed to be doing and um, so continuing with Psalm 119, uh, beginning with verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Third time, milkshake. And if Fran was here today, she could explain that to you. Um, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin or miss the mark against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy righteous or of thy testimonies as much as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. You know, I've tried to be diligent um, throughout this year of COVID to listen to the messages and when when they're on the day that, you know, they're, they're like, for instance, a Wednesday message, I try to listen, listen on Wednesday to keep that, um, So that I can keep that in my my weekly doings, um, and so that I don't um, get used to not making time for uh, for this house on a, on a time when if we were in person here uh, on Wednesdays, I would be here. So I, I, I try to be diligent about listening on Wednesday to the Wednesday Night Live because I don't want to um, get out of, I, I hate to call it a habit, but um, I don't want to get out of the habit of, of making time for the Lord um, because that is one of our regular meetings, whether it's virtual or not. Um, so that's, that's just me. I try to be diligent and listen and, um, on the day that something is scheduled. And, you know, the busyness of the world, of, of be, just being in the world, will eventually take its toll. And I don't want to give the Lord the leftovers of my energy and... I don't know if Dennis remembers, but um, when I first started to help Rick on the food truck, um, I would work all during the week, and then on Saturdays, I would help him because he needed the help. And it just sort of became what I had to do on Saturday. And hopefully we can uh, get more people, and um, I can get away from that. But... Um, uh, thank you. But I don't know if Dennis remembers it, but I took note, and he said when I, when we were at lunch one day, one Sunday, and discussing the food truck, and I said, 
I was going to be, you know, I'd, I'd been helping Rick on Wednesdays or Saturdays. And, um, and he said, too much work can make an old lady out of a young lady. <laughs> and um, not that I'm young by any stretch, even though I feel it inside. Um, he said that, and I, and I took note. I took note of it. But it's true. I mean, you know, we try to do more than we, than we should. We think we can, and we try it, and then it just, eventually, it wears us down. And uh, because we're human. Um, so I don't want to give the Lord the leftovers of my energy. I want to give him the best and the first of my energy. And I want to be totally subservient to the one true God and his will and wholeheartedly devoted in my relationship to him. And I don't ever want to deviate from the path that he's called us to or from him or his word. Not compromising requires unwavering submission to the Father and to him only, regardless of the world's concession to ungodliness and following after false gods. Joshua 24, beginning with verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord, Yahweh, the plan of God, to serve other gods. Now, we wouldn't willingly forsake the Lord to serve other gods. But when we allow ourselves to become too busy in our daily lives, even with things that are legitimate, we can subtly be drawn from the path that he has chosen for us. Looking at some New Testament scriptures, um, beginning in Colossians chapter 2, verse, beginning with verse 4. And this day, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Then in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And moving on to Acts chapter 20. In Paul's farewell to Ephesus, he says, beginning with verse 24, but none of these things, bonds or afflictions, move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall, come, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. 
also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Paul had warned, Paul warned Ephesus uh, not to be drawn away and not to, com to compromise their calling. Then looking at 1 John 2, beginning with verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Then in Matthew 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for, he, he, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, no compromise. Then Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after, after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of, of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. <clears throat> Paul did not compromise. No matter what it cost him, he didn't compromise. And he's telling Timothy... To be, to be the same. Um, and I mentioned a, a minute ago that, uh, you know, the U.S., we read about the, the, the great compromise in U.S. history, but in my opinion, this is even a greater compromise to... Um, turn away ears from the truth and to be turned unto fables. We must accept God's word as absolute. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Excuse me, need water. <laughs> Instruction, as defined in line upon line, is a term in the New Testament that is a profitable result of hearing the word of God. Instruction in righteousness is to know the essence of righteousness. It is like a tutorage or continuing education in the classroom. Righteousness is to see what God wants to do and doing it. The vision is increasing always as we move and grow in grace toward righteousness. We cannot compromise his word. We must be instructed by it. John fourteen fifteen, If ye love me... That, that's our word agape that we're very familiar with. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Then in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, 
If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. You know, that's a, that's a sobering passage. When we think about the, the compromise in the church today, um, <clears throat> it's just very sobering to think that our part would be taken out of the book of life. Then in Galatians uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than what then that which ye have, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul wanted to make a point to the Galatians. For I do now persuade men, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, Immediately I conferred, not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. You know, God is serious about not compromising his word. And have we not seen that in the past year or two? Um, there are those who have compromised their belief in the truth of God's word adding to it alternative pathways to God. But the Lord is serious about this, and he will not condone compromise of his word. And he's also serious about us not compromising who he has called us to be as saints and as sons. May we never forfeit or surrender our calling as saints and sons. It is an honor and a privilege to be in partnership with the Most High God, the God of the universe. And may we never accept anything less than who he has made us to be. Let us stand for righteousness that we may see his kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. <laughs> and that concludes my teaching. I know we have a few minutes left. Does anybody have any 
comments or anything they want to share. Well, we have a real uh, problem with compromise in the, the world church of today. Uh, by that, I mean all the other churches. Um, and it, it's a frightening thing to me that God's word and the truth of his word would somehow, in man's mind, subject itself to a committee meeting to make a decision on on what the truth is and what is uh, a uh, prose, you know, or uh, poetry, uh, a word picture as an example, uh, anything else, but but the truth that is spoken in His Word, and we can uh, fall prey to that very easily, uh, and so. God needs to just complete. Here, I, I'm not saying God needs to. We need for God to uh, continually separate his truth from whatever man is trying to do to it in our spirit. And we need to feel that check of our spirit as you were feeling the check in your spirit, uh, in your example, uh, with the lady. And uh, it, it can always sound good. It's always going to sound good. And it's always going to be a very subtle departure. And it's, it's going to be a diversion that tries to point back to a general truth. You want everybody to be happy, don't you? You know, you, this is about love, isn't it? That all of those things, you know, that are a general truth where a deviation tries to point itself back to a general truth that would uh, cause us to compromise the truth of God's word. And anybody can fall prey to it, anyone. I know you so well, so I'm really trying to hear the heart of God. Um, I know about your job, and I know about your situation. But I know that you are this light at work, which is a very dark place. You're this lovely light, candlelight, in the midst of all this darkness. And you're there to accomplish a task. And... Uh, it's your fleshly works that you're doing, but they are blessing this firm. Um, I was looking through here, and um, I think that sometimes, Nancy, these people that you work for see you as a person, uh, and this is from this last scripture you read in Galatians, um, do I seek to please men? For if yet I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You uh, love God with all your heart. But I think because of the gentleness that you have in your spirit, that they perceive that as you're serving them. And so it's kind of a caution. Um, I'm going to come back into your scripture uh, that you, several that you read. Um, in Hebrews, you talked about uh, people that have an evil heart of unbelief. Um, a lot of them do. And I'm not saying that your friend does, but I'm saying that a lot of them do, that their intent is not good. Of course, they want to look good on the firm, and they want to make a lot of money, of course, and they want to grow it. Uh, but you have truly hid the word of the Lord in your heart, you've hid his scriptures deep into your spirit, and, and you're guided by him daily. I 
thank God every week for, and you don't realize this, um, because I know you're struggling right now with all of this, but uh, you come to our church and you exude much joy. And uh, we, I can see it. It's evident all over you. Uh, it changes your demeanor. And I, I say to the Lord, that just is so much you, Father, because I know how hard she's struggling right now with all of this and not knowing what the answer is, what, what is the result, what, what is going to come about. Um, I don't know. I keep praying for you. But I just want you to know that uh, these people that surround you all day and sometimes into the evening are really trying to pull you down because they're trying to, uh, this is going to sound strange, but they're jealous of your joy and your happiness and your peace that you're exuding because you belong to him and you realize you need to work for a living, you need income, that's important for the household. And uh, I think they're jealous. And so I think that sometimes, not meaning to, I think they kind of pick on you. But don't let them pick on you, Nancy, because you're not a man pleaser. You're a woman of God, and you're here to serve the Lord and to please him and not them. Um, I appreciated your lesson today. Um, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, I know that what time you have for the Lord is really pure and dedicated to him. I know that because I see the results of that when you come into the house. And I, I feel the presence of the Lord on you uh, when you talk at lunch about some of these situations. Uh, you're very uh, mature about it. And uh, you're trusting God to lead you through it uh, because it's just a maze of confusion at times. And I'm just sitting there shaking my head because I have no idea what to say to you. I don't even know how to answer it. But I want you to know that God is with you and he's guiding you. And I think most importantly, uh, he's helping you to develop discernment on people that are around you and that you're not milk toast. You know, that you belong to God. You are his child. And uh, don't let him, uh, the enemy, don't let him pull you down by moving through some of these people that are at your office. You know, stand firm in the Lord just like you were with that lady that you testified about today. Thank you. Milk toast, Tammy. I'm gonna have to Google that one. Is that? I think that's just the toast that you dip in your milk. A uh, <laughs> um, couple of things. I was listening to your teaching, which was very good, by the way. And I, I thought, you know, um, conviction is, I believe, uh, from the Holy Spirit. And conviction, while it sounds horrible, is really a good thing, right? And I'm so thankful for. Um, the ways of the Lord and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, but like Tammy, you know, I, I want to encourage you. I think, again, it's good that the Holy Spirit has convicted you, but there is no, there is therefore now no condemnation uh, to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know the Lord just, you know, he, he, he looks at your conviction and your... Oh, I don't know if remorse is the right word, but, you know, kind of where you are, you're remorseful that, you know, maybe other things have taken, um, not, well, have have taken time away from the time you want to spend with him. And, and you know, man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. So he sees your heart, okay? Um, and I've, I've had this thought here recently, the last um, number of days about, you know, the saying that says, if you can't beat them, join them. I don't think that's complete. What I think is complete is the saying that says, if you can't beat them, join them, 
but if social and peer pressure won't allow you to join them, then bash them. Okay? Because we see that today. You know, people know what's right, but they're afraid if they side with righteousness and truth-tellers that then all their buddies and all, all the people around the, you know, around them are, are going to start bash, you know, start, start, you know, throwing them in, in that, in that basket, and they don't want that. So we need to be aware um, of that, I think, because it's the world we live in. You know, there are, man, the, the, the ways of the world are becoming more and more and more twisted, and social pressures are coming to bear like I've not ever seen. And, you know, if, if you take a stand for what's right, you're not going to be, uh, you know, liked by many. So, you know, it helps for us to manage our expectations and to, um, to know and to have a good understanding and realization of what will come our way when we stand for righteousness, right? Um, two scriptures that really stood out to me were um, from Colossians 2, uh, and actually verse 8. It says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And the word that really stuck out to me there is philosophy. And, you know, philosophy from the beginning of time has really been, <laughs> it's been a big problem, you know, because, you know, philosophies of man, um, they, they've just been a source of, 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 of um, you know, straying off the true path, you know. So, and there's a lot of that in the world today, right? So much, so much of man's philosophy that, that has really drawn people away from Christ, not pushed them towards him. And then um, in Acts chapter 20, it says in verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And we've seen that in this house. We've, we, we've seen... Um, of our own selves, right, of our tribe, you know, men rise up and start preaching another doctrine, trying to pull people away uh, and with some success to follow them. And the, the thing about it that's so ironic is we love Pastor, and uh, he is he is our the shepherd over this this flock, but we follow Jesus, right? We follow Christ. He leads us in the paths of righteousness, pastor does, but we don't follow pastor. We follow the Lord. We don't follow any man. And um, <laughs> again, it's just a twistedness of the enemy, you know, to, 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 for men to rise up and to want people to follow them. And, and, and the world has that misplaced because we shouldn't follow any man except the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. The last thing I'll say is, um, you know, your 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 teaching is is titled "No Compromise," and you know I'm I'm in the investment business, and there's these things called alternatives, and and people, you know, the big topic right now is you know investing in alternatives, and oftentimes when people clients will ask me about investing in alternatives, um, you know, I'll say, well. Alternative to what? And what they're saying is they want to invest in something that's an alternative to the stock market because they're worried about the stock market. Stock market's too high, stock market's too volatile, yada, yada. And what I say is, you know, 70% of the time the stock market goes up, 20% of the time it goes sideways, and 10% of the time it's sheer terror and panic going down. But 70% odds are pretty good. You know, why would you want to invest in an alternative to that? Because the alternative, you know, you've probably got a 50% chance of it not working out. And I think about compromise and, you know, in the, in the spirit, it's the same. Why, why would we want any alternative to the one true God, right? Um, but that's in the world today, and we just, we really have to guard against that. So, very good teaching. Thank you. I'm sorry I spoke so long. Anybody else?
Thank you, Liz. And thank you, everyone, uh, for your attention. And it is 10 o'clock, so I will turn this back over to Dennis. <laughs>